everybody. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And we're the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned to talk about horror movies. And today's movie is Reanimator? Didn't we do this one? Feels oddly familiar. Oddly familiar. You know what? Let's get into our green hits, start getting stoned, and then uh, I think we can probably explain what the fuck's going on. How's that sound? I like it. All right. What's this, Jay, that you brought for me today, Dan? All right. So no stranger once again to this show. I brought over the lovely strain Lemon Lava from our lovely friends over at Flower, right? So with this being said, it is a strain I've brought over before, not very many times, but for those who are unfamiliar, this is a sativa-dominant hybrid. It's considered a 60% to 40% split in terms of sativa and indica. Now, with that being said, this is created through crossing the delicious lemon heads and lava cake strains. So with that being said, and because it's named for its delicious flavor, it is the perfect bud for any sativa lover. Now, once again, this helps with anxiety, chronic pain, depression, migraine, stress, etc. The flavors on this, because it is a lemon, the limonene, you'll get the citrus and the fruity flavors. And uh, along with that, sour and sweet. And the aromas on this include earthy grape, lemon, and sour. And for those who are curious, it's 28% over at Flower. All right. Yeah, I brought you some sugar cookie from Flower that I went over to. <laughs> Wasn't going to. But we had a cold snap, and it was cold as balls out when I stepped outside. So I was like, oh, no, this one is like three times closer than the shop I was <laughs> planning to go to. So uh, that's happening today. So got you some sugar cookie. I know I've brought it in before. Three-Way Cross, Crystal Gale, Blue Hawaiian, and Sensi Star. It's a more calming sort of indica side hybrid. And... <laughs> says here that medical marijuana patients choose sugar cookie to relieve symptoms associated with insomnia. So hopefully you don't become too sleepy of a boy. No, 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 no. I don't have that issue. It's a nice little slightly tropical, especially with like the Hawaiian and the, the Sensi yes, Star in there. And, nice flavor to it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pay attention to what it's testing at. Oh, there. I saw it was like 24, yeah, almost 25%. Just under 25%. Yeah. Just, a, just a hair under. So we know that that's not the full story. But. No, but... You know, we do enjoy that. That's more of the psychoactive properties, more of the terpene boys these days. Do you know what's really fun? <laughs> I, I know that I talked about it with the guy before, but at work, one of our coworkers the other day came up to me and he's like, you know what I'm starting to realize since I've gotten my fucking medical card and been going to all these shops and trying all this product? I'm like, what's that? And he's like, fucking THC content's bullshit. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Kind of. I'm like, yeah, bro. It's kind of more of the terpene profile from what I can tell. And yeah. even then, sometimes it's just like, how well was it cultivated? Yeah, all that stuff does matter after a certain while, you know. We've all been down that that path in terms of just getting some good old Reggie and <laughs> worked our way mm -hmm. on up, you know, from there. So here we are. But I was just like, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. I get it. I've gotten, fucking, I've gotten just blasted off from, like, Pretty low 20 shit. Yeah, I, I was actually having a conversation with one of the gentlemen over at Flower about that. And I've told him, I was like, you know, same thing. My personal experience is I've had a land race strain that was like 14, maybe 15 mm percent. -hmm. Knocked my dick in the dirt. So, <laughs> you know, take it for what it's worth. All right. So this is the part where we explain what the fucks were going on, right? Normally we'd give you our spiel. 
fucking go check out the Patreon. This kind of ties in. This is episode 250, bro. <laughs> Dude, how awesome is that? That's surreal. We are trying to think of a way to celebrate it. And if we're going to be completely honest, like 75% of the time we try to get guests or something, it fucking falls through. That's true. Right? That's true. It's just, it it's just the way this fucking rolls. It's easy to get two people in a room. It becomes exponentially harder each extra person you try to Man. add into the room. Yeah, the odds really do diminish. <laughs> but there's something else that we've talked about, I think almost literally from day one. I think we say in almost our first episode, if not, we say it by episode 10, for sure, that we reserve the right oh. to go back to any fucking movie we've done before. Literally had this conversation two nights ago with Jeff. So, yes, you're right. If we didn't say it episode one, we said it when we did Dead Alive. I know that. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. And we've always kind of tried to figure out ways to do that. We've included flicks we did before and like the Test Your Frights. That's true. We've just introduced movies to people before. I mean, how many times have we talked about Martyrs now? We did the remakes just to fucking talk about them more. I know, right? So that shows our <clears throat> fandom. There you go. So we're going to start to do something. Now, being that we're a quarter way to a thousand episodes, oh, which seemed unreal years ago when we started this. Yeah. But now we're a quarter of the way there. <laughs> seems a lot more doable. Yeah, it's like, you know, just keep going. <laughs> we're going to celebrate by a quarter of every month. We're going to look back. So every fourth episode from here, I'm saying that right, right? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're going to start going through our catalog again. Because some of these movies we haven't seen in years. Literally been years, yeah. Some of these movies, it's been longer since the last time we saw them than the time before we saw them when we covered them for the podcast. No, that's wild, I think. You're right. And not to toot our own horns too much, but I feel like we both have a lot more experience in just watching movies now. I think it's kind of hard not to at this point. I mean, it's weird because like, we do. We sit down every week and like take notes on fucking movies and try to think about shit. And I'm not going to say we always have the most enlightening conversations. Right, because all this is subjective in the end anyway. But it makes a difference when you're doing that versus when you're not doing that. Oh, yeah. And I've noticed that just in the films that we have covered. I mean, some of these films I have seen, I don't know how many times prior to us reviewing them and now seeing it through that more of an analytical lens, it, it changes the way I do watch film. So I think we both ended up agreeing that this could be really fun to start going back through them because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing at first. <laughs> you're right. You can tell because our cell episode is three hours long. God. Yeah. Whoa, what were we thinking? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. <laughs> but that was, you know, that's okay. We're here now. But here's the catch on it all. And why we said it ties into what we usually go into here. It is re going through our catalog. We have talked about every single one of these fucking movies before. We have. And, but once again, you did say we reserve the right to come back to them. You might not want to hear that. <laughs> You might be here for all of our new content when we sit here and we talk about shit that we've seen before, but we've never talked about with each other before. So other than this one and future things that I'll explain in a second, these episodes are going to be for our patrons. If you want to hear us as we go back through our own catalog, 
not often. Like we said, it's only once a month because we have fucking lives. Yeah, we have day jobs. <laughs> if we didn't have day jobs, we'd probably re-go through our catalog a lot faster. Uh, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> and we're going to see what we think about them now, five years later. Is that wow. right? Yeah, a little over five years. A little over five years later. Now that we have a little bit more critical eye towards some of these things, now that we've seen some of the things that some of these movies are probably referencing that we didn't catch the first time through. That's a solid point. I know over the course of this podcast, me and you have both logged a number of first-time viewings. Yeah. We're at least up to, two, what, 250 films mm-hmm. that we've talked about, seen. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to be fun coming back down memory lane. So... If you don't sign up to the Patreon, basically it's going to go three new episodes, then you're not going to get an episode for a week, (laughs) then three new episodes, then you're not going to get an episode for a week. If you're on the Patreon, it's going to go episode every week, but every fourth episode is going to be a look back at our catalog. Plus you get it all a week early. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, that's a pretty nice little incentive. We've also added a couple other things that we want to... We're going to try to get more guests on for some of these. If we have a guest on, it's going to be an everyone episode. We just decided that makes it easier. We know guests probably want to hear themselves, might want to, like, shout it out to their friends, be like, yo, like, check this out. And that's fair. We're not going to make it harder than it needs to be. We're not going to have to, you know, sit around with giving them fucking special passwords and shit. If we get a guest on for one of our look back episodes, it's going to automatically become a for everyone episode. I'm all for that. And just for fun, we might not always be able to accomplish it, but I think as just a challenge to ourselves, we're going to try to get a guest for every episode that previously had a guest. Yeah. Yeah. And have it be somebody else. It's hard for me to argue with you. (laughs) So, like, when we get up to Event Horizon, we're going to bring someone on, but it's not going to be Justin. Yeah, sorry, Justin. (laughs) You've had your piece. (laughs) Just kidding, but yeah. And I think uh, the one other thing I was thinking about was if one of our look-back episodes would interfere with us putting out for, let's say, a holiday episode, Mm -hmm. the holiday episode is going to supersede it, and then we would just do the look-back episode the next week. And that makes sense. And then restart the count. We wouldn't do like, well, it's been three, so we're going to do two. Yeah, because then it'll get wonky. We're just going to go, we did one, so now it's going to be three more and we'll do another one. And I think that's fair. Just so you all know how it's going to play out. I think it's going to be fun. Honestly, they're probably going to be a little bit shorter episodes. Some of them might be longer. Hopefully not the cell. (laughs) Hopefully not the cell. (laughs) Holy shit. In one case, though, they are going to be shorter, and that is, since we have covered all these before, we're not going to do the guts and bolts for all of them. We're probably going to give warnings still, just in case you don't know what the fuck you're getting into, and you're trying to decide whether you're going to watch the movie based on what the fuck we say. And just, you know, content of the movie also often ties into the content of what the show's going to be about. If there's no boobs in the movie, we're probably not going to be talking about boobs. If there's boobs that's in the movie, given. we're probably going to talk about boobs. Yeah, so that's kind of a given. That sort of thing. We're probably not going to talk about massive amounts of gore if we're watching They Look Like People. Yeah, that's funny that you said that because I was thinking the same thing. Uh, yeah, there are, there's going to be some exceptions to those rules. So, not going to go through the full guts and bolts. Probably still give the warnings. 
And we're going to try to come up with uh, other little sections to make up for losing the guts and bolts. We're not sure what they're going to be called or how many we're going to end up with yet because this is still our first time and we're fucking stoners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so give us a little time and we'll figure it out, though. But I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all are. With that being said, like, do we go into the the squeal section? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. Should we give warnings? Should we tell them, oh, by the way, patreon.com slash fried squirms. I like that. I guess let's give warnings and then go into how Reanimator made us squeal. Okay, yeah, I'm cool with that. Warnings. You mentioned it already. There's gore in this film. There's gore. There's boobs. Yeah. There is a little bit of dick. Yes, there is. (laughs) Language, Language, though, not a lot. Yeah, exactly. Body horror. Absolutely. Zombies. Undead. They're not traditional zombies. Right, undead. Animal cruelty, harm, whatever. But, I mean, it's not... Real. Not real. We're not talking about Cannibal Holocaust. No, no. This is mechanical. Mad scientist type shit. Yes. And because it is Lovecraftian, <laughs> there's going to be Not the some... most Lovecraftian no, story, I, I but... Agree, but there's some weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And like we said, we've covered it before, so if you want more than Nitty Gritty, go check out episode one Wow, of Fried Squirms. To hear what we thought about it for the first time. Oh, I want to mention that real quick. I, I don't know about you. I am not going to re-listen to our episodes before doing this. I didn't. I didn't. So I might end up saying some of the same shit I said this the first time around. I might say completely different shit this time around. But I think that's going to be neat, maybe for down the road, comparing and contrasting what we had to say on top of each other, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of our first time through and then our next time through. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm probably going to listen to it after yeah some somewhere down the road i will for sure but in getting prepared for this no i didn't and future ones like when we do visitor q next <laughs> I'm oh not, yeah you know I, shit i'm not gonna re-listen no. to our visitor q before doing it i think it's a fair way of doing it because it doesn't lend to any kind of bias going in to the review or what you want to say i think that's going to help not getting into that kind of territory it's also going to be weird that Doing these, it'll never be our first time. I know. That's right. Sloppy seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. You know what? That can be our fucking... Instead of how did that make you squeal, let's get into our sloppy seconds. (laughs) For Reanimator. All right. Reanimator. I haven't watched it since... The last time we watched it. Ooh. Ooh, no, I take that back. I think like maybe like a month and a half after the last time we watched it was right around the same time that I started dating my girlfriend and she actually watched it. Wow. I don't know if I remember her ever saying anything about it. I don't know if she finished it. Okay. It was like, it was a night sort of like when we first started dating and... Like, we had been texting when when I was originally doing notes for it and shit. And I think she she had started to try to watch it some that night. I can't remember for sure, but we were texting back and forth some while she was watching it. I think she might have tapped out around the cat part. Mm. Okay. Flip a coin. I'm, I'm like 50% sure she ended up going back and finishing it later, but I can't say that for, for 100% certain. I do know that she 
because of like being kind of warmed up by this movie, when we got to Dead Alive, she did watch it with me. And this was kind of the warm up uh, nine weeks earlier. But hey, that's not bad though. That's yeah. not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> that was interesting, like looking back and being like, oh shit, like it's been that long? Wow. Yeah, over five years. Mm hmm. I mean, we have covered it before. We don't really have to necessarily break down what the plot is unless this is your first. I mean, I have to assume somebody doesn't want to go all the way back to episode one to listen to us talk about it. I so, mean, if they do, that's cool. But, you know, if you're here, that's OK, too. So I guess the basic plot is there's a mad scientist that is trying to reanimate the dead. He moves in with a new roommate, fellow med student as well, fellow med student, gets a professor after his ass because... He knows for a fact that, like, dude copied off of one of his old mentors and shit. <laughs> he's mostly just a fucking for science. Yeah, he's in, all about it. In all aspects of his life. And keeps reanimating shit. And shit keeps going wrong until eventually the professor comes to steal his secrets. He kills him, reanimates him, but then professor gets away raises his own zombie army and they kind of have showdown at the end with the subplot of the roommate and his girlfriend and her dad being a zombie at one point and <laughs> yeah there's spoilers her getting wilds. killed by the end and shit yeah it's all kinds of wild all kinds of wild shit happening but it, they almost don't matter because the real couple is Herbert West and Dan yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think you and him, I can't, it might have been when we... As further exemplified like, yeah. in Bride of Reanimation. I was going to say, I think it's when we did that, we talked about that a lot more. Although, I mean, Herbert himself is ace, definitely, through and through. Yeah, I agree. But that doesn't mean he can't have romantic feelings. Hey, man, you know, he's still human, as weird as he is. Even if he doesn't understand them. I don't think he understands them. I don't think he realizes that's how he feels towards Dan. But he has them. I don't know what I can't. Once again, I didn't go back to to see what we pointed out the first time through. Likewise, likewise. But something I feel like I noticed for the first time this time around is how the beginning and the end is mirrored. Yeah, that's a good point. Solid point. The movie starts with Herbert West giving someone too much of the reagent, and then going to a scene where Dan doesn't know when to give up on a patient. Yeah. Then the movie ends with Herbert West giving too much reagent, and then Dan really not knowing when to give up on a female patient. Yeah. And we hear the screams, so... I don't think I noticed that the first time through. Going yeah, back through it, I was like, oh, shit, dude. All right. I had mentioned to you before we got into this section that I owned three different copies of this film. Right, right. <laughs> right. So for those who, who like all that nerdy stuff, is I've got Anchor Bay's, like their double disc DVD copy. Okay. All right, which includes the unrated version. I have a, I can't remember if it's Arrow, but I have a just a single Blu-ray disc version. Mm. And then I have a still book, which is the Blu-ray version. It's a double disc of uh, Second Sight's release of it, oh, which okay. is the UK. And along with that particular version and copy of it, you get the unrated, and you also get the integral 
cut. Oh. Which includes, it's basically the combination of the R-rated version and the unrated version. It's the combo of both of them. So you get a lot more expo into some of some of the characters, some of their conversations. Okay. <clears throat> so I did watch that version of it because I was like, well, I didn't realize that. Even though I've had that copy for a couple years, I just never got around to watching that particular copy of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I've never, uh, what, what version is this? What's the length on that version? Uh, 140. Jesus, what? No, I'm not 140. Oh, excuse okay. me. Hour 40, what am I going to say? Hour 40. Yes, yeah, like hour 40, I think. It's another. So it's almost 15 minutes longer? Yeah. Damn. I need to watch that. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's, it doesn't add. It does add some interest. I'm going to bring them up. Don't get me wrong. Does it? Does it? Does it add in? Like I know one of the scenes cut from most of the versions is Herbert explaining that he shoots up the diluted fluid. Oh, you actually get to see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I don't remember seeing this. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So you get some extended conversation amongst the main characters. You get to see some things about Doctor Hill. That's a little bit more apparent. In this version, okay, where it's a lot more ambiguous in the other cuts. Uh, give them to me. Start giving me all the shit. Oh, okay, okay. Start all giving right, me all right. the shit. So, I'm curious. I mean, you've already, and we. This is the reason why we're here. We've already reviewed this film before. Yeah. So okay, it's not like we have a whole lot to add. But in in this particular cut, this is what I gathered from it. So, one of the first things I noticed about this particular cut is um, Doctor Hill. He has a longer conversation with. Dean Halsey, right? So there's a dinner party that they're having to just amongst them too, right? Yeah. And I believe Meg, Megan is with them. And that's when Dan comes over because they're going to go study. And Hill's already kind of like, shouldn't you guys study here? And they're like, uh, you know, I'll bring her home. And, mm-hmm. and after they fuck off, Megan, Dan, that is is Hill and Halsey have a lot longer conversation about Dan and Herbert West. And you can tell because in this particular cut, there's like a a blurring image effect that you see. And it's because Hill already has this hypnosis over characters and he's using it on Halsey because he's influencing him. He's trying to tell him that West is no good and that. Well, the script basically straight up says that Hall can, or Hill can use some sort of hypnosis. Yeah, and, and it's you more can just see implied, it. like no, you can see oh, the effects okay. in this. Like there's, they're like, what, yeah, it's more of like you feel a little drunk, but it's not overtly like uh, it just has kind of an aura around him, particularly where you know when you get a cut or close up of Halsey, and then the close up of Hill, it's in the close ups of Hill where you see the effect. And you're like, oh, all right, and you can see it because then it look kind of like. Like they're underneath hypnosis is what's happening. Well, that's in in most of the cuts, it happens. They just there's no explanation for it, and there's no there's no visual, there's no nothing. It's just people are suddenly going kind of blank and listening to them. Yeah. So and even he even gets Herbert with it in the one scene. Absolutely, he does. Here's the second thing I noticed is there's a little bit longer conversation that Megan and Dan have. On the couch. This okay. is before they find Rufus, because at some point they're looking for the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when Megan finds him in the fridge. They're t- actually like on the couch. They're having a long conversation about Doctor West, and Dan's kind of like standing up for him, where Megan's 
she's like, you know, he was in Zurich. What happened there? And she's just like kind of prodding Dan to like look right, further into West. Because in the normal, she does ask a couple questions about him, but it's it's, it's like it's super pretty pressing. quick. It's like no, this one's 10, like 15 seconds that she does bring up. Well, have you ever seen him eat? Which then doesn't get explained. But yeah, and then you know, he like never comes out of his room. She like really presses him. And, mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, that's interesting because there's a, it's a lot. Not that there's like it's just an extended conversation. That's all it is. All right. So that's something I noticed. All right. It's you know because this is the part of the cut. Now here's something upon retrospect that I noticed. Yeah. Because this is something you and I. I don't know when it got brought up. Where exactly in the string of films that we reviewed at this point? But we've talked about the use of cats in film. Specifically yeah, yeah. horror Fucking films. Fucking cat scare. Right. Cat scares, jump scares, all that nonsense. I was like, not necessarily that it's a jump scare per se. I mean, the cat jumps out every now and then. Mm-hmm. But I was like, wow. Like it jumps on his back after they get done fucking. Yeah, but think about this. Because we were like, ah. But literally, our very first review, this is already a precursor for the films that we were going to do down the road. Mm-hmm. And I didn't never even thought about it back then. Because it wasn't a thing back then for us. Yeah. But I was like, wow, this... The very first film already has it. <laughs> it's one of the first, other than the eye popping, it's one of the first scares in the film. That's from the beginning. I'm like, holy shit, I never realized that, that Which, this was already. By the way, like, people bring it up all the time in regards to this movie, but how good is that fucking eye popping, dude? Like, there's a lot of good effects gnarly, in that movie, dude. but it starts off with some of the best effects in the movie. Right from the get-go. You're like, all right, I'm in. I want to see where this is going. And then you get, to me, actually, this is my first note. I still feel like this is one of the better, like, intro themes, intro titles, mm. you know, sequences. I, we might have talked about it the first time. I don't think we did. Did you notice uh, the special thanks or whatever, the the apology to Bernard Herrmann? Oh, I was going to say, I, I read, you know, that. Because dude I, basically is like, yeah, I ripped off the psycho thing. Well, you know who the dude is? <laughs> it's Richard Band. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just talked about him. Mm-hmm. But he did. He's like, yeah, I blatantly just ripped off the theme from Psycho, you know. And the visual reference, actually, in that title sequence, which is another Alfred Hitchcock inspiration, is from uh, Saul Bass's work on Vertigo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's the whole freaking opening title sequence is a I've still never seen Vertigo. I have. It's. I haven't. I don't remember the opening per se, but yeah. I was going to say this is one of the best title opening sequences that we've ran across still, without a doubt. I I'd put it up there in the top three, top five. And I love like like the the sort of like neon's not the right word, but like no, there's a certain outline, there's a certain feel to it. It's a very, very 80s color scheme, yeah, but then yeah, they're using these opposing colors, like the the orange and purples and shit. And I like all that. Yeah, I agree. It's like, oh, yeah. Like that, if the opening didn't already hook you, this right here will probably sink you in a little bit as well. So, yeah, that's some of the, the early things I noted. So I also read that the use of glow sticks, or at least the glow stick fluid for the serum. Right. That's the, the first time they ever used it in film. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh, so they made a little history there too. That's kind of interesting. Here's another little two things. I think we might have brought this up before, dude. This is crazy. So there's a sequence somewhere in the opening too where Dan is trying to perform resuscitation on a patient. Yeah. Like, you know. And the woman in real life, not just on the on the gurney, this lady, but apparently she was a dildo enthusiast. 
Oh, we did talk about this. Yeah, and she was hiding them in the morgue. <laughs> I like that is hilarious, man. So that's her. In case people are wondering, kind of the same thing too. Uh, not with dildos, but with some of the people and cast and crew is the cinematographer on this. His name is Mac Alberg. This guy we've talked about, of course, before outside of just this film. But I didn't know this. There was a show man, I watched when I was way too young to be watching it. It was a show on Showtime. It starred Brian Ben Ben, comedian. Okay. He had, I think, his own show at one time called Brian Ben Ben Show. That's not what I'm talking about here. There was a show called Dream On in the early 90s. Okay. Right. So David Bowie was in a two-part episode called The Second Greatest Story Ever Told, which I think is from season two, the first two episodes of season two. Okay. Don't ask me how I know because I researched it. So it's it's Life of Brian? All right, so check this out. This is the whole reason I'm bringing this up. I was like, why the fuck are you even talking about David Bowie and all that? Okay. Well, apparently because David Bowie found out that Mac Alberg worked on Reanimator, he got overtly excited and ran over to Mr. Alberg and said, this is not necessarily verbatim, but this is what I got, is that that film is my favorite film, speaking of Reanimator. So this is coming from David Bowie to Mac Alberg. But we loved Reanimator. That makes me happy. I'm like, wow, that's pretty dope. That's fucking dope. Said it was his favorite film. I don't know how accurate that is, of course. But if it is, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so there you go. Um, another little trivia, now that I'm kind of in this little lane and I'll leave it to this, is apparently the uh, the role of Dr. Hill, right, who is played by David Gale. Yes. We, we've talked about this guy in the past. It was originally written for Christopher Lee. He read the script, you know, turned it down, and of course it went to, to Gale. But I'm like, damn, can you imagine what that would have been like? Because he did The Howling Part 2 somewhere around that same time period. First, honestly, Gale kind of gives a Christopher Lee-esque performance he re- in this. He really does. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Christopher Lee would have been awesome, but Gale does a great job. I'm not going to lie. I don't think he was told to act like Christopher Lee. From what I I understand, he was just told to ham it up. And I mean, he did. I did a good job. From what I understand is that Stuart Gordon told basically everybody to ham it up, but Combs and Gale were the best at it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which is fine. It it makes more sense to have, uh, like, uh, Dan be the fucking straight man. Uh, What's his name? Why can't I... His name is Bruce Abbott. We talked. Yeah. This is, man, I still think, like, that's crazy. He was with uh, Linda Hamilton. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, that's wild. Having him be the straight man makes makes more sense anyway, yeah. Yeah. even if he was trying to ham it up. And there are some scenes he, I think he's he's definitely trying to ham it up. But mm. I think I, I do remember at the time we talked about this, what he and Barbara Crampton were actually more, like, soap opera, daytime mm-hmm. TV show, you know, actors. So it makes sense kind of their performances in this film well it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be cramped in either Mm-mm. whoever that actress was like backed out because her mom apparently read the script and is like oh no you're not doing that yeah. <laughs> you know so there's some interesting things there yeah i mean this sparked a really interesting career for a lot of these people and reignited david gale's career yeah yeah we talked about not that. in the sense that he wasn't getting work no but he, but he had been taking work for the money and he was just, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I need to fucking eat, and yeah, I need to afford my house and shit, and like, dude, I've I've been a respected actor for long enough that I can get work whenever I need it. And then he got work on this, and loved it. 
yeah. enjoyed the fuck out of it. Was yeah. like wrote a note to Stuart Gordon that being like, awesome. "Thank you for reanimating my love of acting." <laughs> That's awesome. And his agent immediately was like, just basically started shooting out calls like, "Get this man in fucking sci-fi and horror movies because apparently he loves just That's getting so to awesome. ham it up." I you know. <sighs> That's inspiring when you hear that kind of stuff, when you work with a certain crew or, you know, cast of people that it can reinvigorate things in people, you know, so that's good to hear about this. And that's probably another reason why this film is adored by the community. So it makes me happy to hear that. One of the things I appreciated, and I don't know if I can even explain how they managed to do it so smoothly in this movie but that I, I know for a fact I didn't really appreciate any of my other viewings that I've seen of this before. And that's how well the movie switches the villain from being Herbert West to Dr. Hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right, because it's setting it up for West. Because in the beginning of the movie, he's kind of creepy, but you don't know what his deal is. Maybe he killed the doctor, maybe he didn't. Yeah, and he's kind of antagonizing, it seems like, Dr. Hill. But he's not out-and-out villainous. No. Middle of the movie, you suddenly realize he's a mad scientist, and you don't know what he's capable of, (laughs) like what he's willing to do. By the way, this Dr. West actually isn't as villainous as the short story version. I did go back, and I didn't read the short story, but I did read just like little cliff notes, if you will, Mm -hmm. just like little annotated notes. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is nice to know. This is like a little refresher course. And yeah, what I think is interesting, too, is, you know, coming back to this and having the knowledge of From Beyond as well and mm. Bride of Reanimator is how they were using, if you combine some of those those films, you can see where the, this story, Reanimator, the story itself, where they were interjecting some of those ideas or concepts mm. in those films is what I'm trying to say. And that makes me appreciate it, all those films overall because – it's hard to do, like yeah, um, and those are good, but they're not proper. as good as this one. No, 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 I agree with that one hundred percent. It's just I think we both enjoyed the fuck out of both of those. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, this is not a true adaptation of Reanimator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what, kind of what I'm trying to say. But once again, it's like you know, for what this film is worth, man, this is a, I love this film. I'm not going to talk shit about it. I'm just saying it's not a true adaptation. No, but yeah, um, well, I mean, the fact that somebody's getting laid. Dude, yeah, we just talked about that last week. That's so funny. Yeah. But, like, Combs's Dr. West never kills someone just to have a fresh corpse, whereas HPLs did. Yes, yes. They now, like, one of the victims basically said that out loud. How? <laughs> it's not necessarily self-defense what he does to Hill. It is defense of his work, which is arguably more important to West anyway rather than his actual physical self. So with his quirks, I almost understand it a little bit more and wouldn't. But otherwise, everyone he kills is in self-defense. That's a solid point. That is a solid point. And is generally trying to, like, more in bride, but is generally also trying to make sure his friends don't get killed in the process. Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird thing to try to defend in a way, you know, because it's like there is a sense of decorum that he does use, even though Mm -hmm. it's like really crossing the boundaries of certain things, you know, I guess accepted things, if you will. Yeah. But he has a line. Oh, he does. He does. It's just a lot further out than most people's. But then once you understand what Hill's going to do later in the movie, you're like, oh, like West is definitely the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you get, we got to get rid of Hill. <laughs> 
all right, the giving head scene. <laughs> In yeah. retrospect, man, we talk about how screwed up it is just because it's a decapitated head trying to give head, sexually assaulting Barbara Crampton. Yeah, for real. I don't know if the first time around we brought up the full context of how fucked up that <laughs> oh it is God. that he has alluded in conversation to being interested in her since she was a child mm-hmm. and is making her zombie daddy watch. That is so fucked up. Let me ask you this really quick before before we get to because I, I still want to talk about yeah. this. And this is exactly what I wanted to get about too is – because I didn't watch, I didn't really watch this film twice, so I, I'm going to mm-hmm. confess about that. In, I'm assuming you watched the unrated version. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, I, I honestly can't remember, is there a scene where Dan recovers a folder of Hill's personal belongings of Megan? I don't think there is, but I remember reading about it. Okay, because you do see that in this one. Okay. Okay, that, that's why I was like, I can't remember. I've, I remember seeing that in the other cut or cuts. Right. But you definitely see it in this particular version. And I was definitely pretty stoned when I was taking my notes earlier and know that I zoned out during a couple parts of this <laughs> movie because I have seen it enough times. But I was going to say, well, well, in either case, if it is or if it isn't, the one that I saw is that Dan does. He goes into Hill's office, like later in the film, and finds a folder that has makes like a clipping of her hair and a cutout of her, like her high school swimming competition or some stuff like that. It's like you know some just some personal anecdotal mm-hmm. stuff that he's keeping of her in a folder. So I'm like, ah, you weirdo. You know, but there is a scene, too, where by he the uses end of hypnosis the movie, on her. But by the end of the movie, we also realize that even though Daddy's a zombie, he still has protective urges of her. So he, he has to be able to recognize her. So zombie Daddy kind of recognizes what's going on in that moment. Yeah, that is so fucked, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh, no. He's no. just not enough out from under the trance yet to be able to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, it's that's fucked. It, <laughs> man... Yeah, I would say, you know, if you really, really, because I don't think it's it's really worth bringing up again, but I think if you really want to hear what we have to say about what happened to David Gell, the actor in real life, yeah, go check out our first episode. I'm sure we talked about it back then, but still, I'm like, that's pretty racy back then, Mm -hmm. you know? Interestingly enough is that this film did did get an X rating Mm. upon his release, Uh, and I think it's because of some of those cuts they left in for... Like home rental, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize that either. Makes me wonder which version I watched when I was a kid. Now, right, man. I think one of my favorite. It's it's so quick, but one of my favorite little bits of gore in this entire movie. I'm, I'm sort of jump towards the end that's real okay. quick, but when fucking Halsey squishes Hill's head oh, and dude. just fucking hucks it against the wall. <laughs> <That's just> hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. He fucks him up good. I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> but, but, you know, is it in, um, no, it, it's, it's definitely in Bride of Reanimator, where Gail's back. Yeah. So we, I'm assuming that didn't work. Right, right. <laughs> he just got fucked up a little bit. Somebody pumped him up with fucking reagent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, that's, I'm glad you brought that up again, because I do like the fact that they do show Herbert dosing. mm and the reason why, it's like right after 
all that shit that happens down in the morgue where, you know, they sneak in. Dan. Yeah, yeah. And Herbert sneak in because of. I'm, who was it? I'm trying to. I think it was at that point Halsey. No, no, no. Halsey hasn't got fucked up. I think Halsey's about to get fucked up. Yeah, Halsey's about to get fucked yeah. up. Yeah. But he knows there's another pretty. They're looking for a corpse. corpse. That's what they're doing. Yep. And they inject. Once again, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like his stuntman, stunt double, whatever. That guy comes alive. Yeah, Halsey gets fucked up in the process. Okay, so after all that stuff, Dan and West are back at their their place, and West is having a little bit of a breakdown. Yeah, and he and Dan have a conversation about the serum. He hands it over to West, Dan. That is the serum, and you clearly see Jeffrey Combs. "Quote unquote," you know, jabbing himself, but then it, like it calms him. Like he gets into what we realize is the mad scientist version of West, calm, collected. All right, here's what we got to do, Dan. <laughs> like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember seeing that. That was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and then you get to see he'll use hypnosis on Barbara Crampton, Megan Halsey. He's like, you can call me Carl from now on. You're like, fucking puke. <laughs> yeah, and he's using all that. And what gets her a little bit out of it, out of that hypnosis, is her dad banging his fucking head mm-hmm. on the window, and she snaps out of it a little bit and what have you. Yeah, and then it's uh, Hill is down in the basement of West. This is before he gets decapitated, and he's using the hypnosis on West because he's trying to – well, he does steal his notes right. and all that shit. So I'm like, okay, you know, that makes a lot more sense as this film progresses, is that they used it early on with Halsey. They showed him using it with Megan on West. So it's established that he has this form of hypnosis or telekinesis or, you know, some kind of psychic power. And that's how he's controlling the zombie army. Do you remember if if there's any expo about him explaining why he's doing the love? Like the lobotomies? I don't believe so. He does mention a lobotomy once or twice, but I don't yeah. think they ever explain it. He mentions somewhere along, you know, because early on you get to see him do like a cotton swab, I think. Yeah. All right. And then he, when he has the mob of... Which is still a really squicky thing, even though it's wild. obvious how they did it. Yeah, it's still like, oof. He, when he uses his mob of those bodies in the morgue, when he reanimates them, if you will. He talks about the fact with the mechanical way of lobotomizing them now and with the, I guess, the reagent serum and his hypnosis on them. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it gives him a certain will over them, which is interesting, man, because we talked about this a little bit about the whole Dracula thing. It's like it still feels a little like that, dude. A little bit, a little bit. Not quite the same, but a little bit. But there's a little trace element there. It was still interesting, but I was like, okay. It, what I'm saying is it makes some of these scenes make more sense. They're not quite as ambiguous maybe to some people. And that's okay. I was like, you know, the extra 15 minutes, I didn't feel like it was, I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong, but I don't feel like you're missing a whole lot either. Mm-hmm. It just it fills in a little bit more blanks, but it's mostly expo and a little bit more character development. That's all. It feels weird that this movie feels like it takes place over the course of just like two or three days. Yeah, exactly. How long was it supposed to have last? Do you know? I mean, I mean well, not the not the short story because right, because in the like short story, years. it's over like a couple decades. Yeah, it's like it's a long time. Exactly. There's a lot of shit that happens. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's supposed to be more in the realm of like Weeks, at least maybe? a month. Okay, I would say. Yeah, it's like that. Maybe makes more sense. like two months. Okay, I'd still say that makes sense, given. 
But the movie makes it feel like it's like just a few days. days. Yeah, like he just moved into town. He's doing some weird shit over the course, probably over a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and shit, <laughs> Monday shit kicks off. Dude, this is the weekend. It ends on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, fucked up weekend for everybody. God damn, you ain't lying. But yeah, I mean, it's still. To me, I think it's still a solid film, but because I've seen it so many times, I don't want to say it's lost its luster because it really hasn't, but I want to make sure that when I do watch this film, it has I have a reason of watching it, too. I like to have a purpose, yeah. you know, because there, there are certain films that, you know, you can put in and watch on a loop. I have no problem with this film doing that, but I probably lose interest after a while. Yeah, it can be on on a loop. I'm not going to be mad at it. No, but there's other either. films I would rather have on a loop. That's kind of what I'm getting at too, and that's no discredit because I I love this film, love Stupid Gordon, all these people, Jeffrey Combs, etc. Combs still kills it, dude. He's so. That's good. my biggest takeaway from he this. Is, so is Combs is just insanely good every second he's on fucking screen. Uh, if movie. I'm not mistaken, too, this was probably if not his first kind of leading role, and because of that. There's a reason why he's in a lot of horror and sci-fi and Lovecraftian stories. You can just look at his catalog. There's a reason why he's in a lot of Full Moon productions. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't too long ago they put out a, like another version of From Beyond, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of curious about that because I believe he reprises his role as West. So you know, there's some interesting shit, man, that all these people have done. Barbara Crampton, she's still doing a lot of horror, which is really neat. So I'm not complaining. I'm I'm glad we chose to do this in terms of like revisiting films, you know, and then getting to come back to the very first film we reviewed and being a little bit more prepared and knowledgeable and well spoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it makes it fun, man. So there was something, I don't know how much of a list you put together, but we talked about earlier in the week that for whenever we do these lookbacks at films, if the film is over 10 years old, oh yeah, if we're reanimating oh, them for it. our notes yeah. anyway, let's think of a reboot or a fan cast, I guess. A yeah. modern day fan cast if, they're, if they were to do a reboot. I remember you and I both having that conversation. I completely stoned out and forgot to That's write fine. down a list. That's fine. We can do it from here on. No, okay. I, I, I have a little bit of a list, though. Okay. I, I came up with for, I guess, the main four roles, Herbert West. Yeah, let's give it to the four. Dr. Hill. And what's Barbara Crampton's character's name? Megan Halsey. I just wrote down Barbara Crampton. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, all right, this is going to be hard. First off, dude, Combs is perfect. I know, man. That's hard to replace. Herbert West is my Jeffrey favorite Combs. mad scientist. I love over with done. Yeah. Frankenstein, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which I think that's kind of what direction Stuart Gordon was wanting to go with anyway, like more of a Frankenstein style of film, more so mm-hmm. than Dracula. So here you go with the mad scientist. No one's going to do it quite the same, but I was like, who can kind of bring the same energy? Who can be goofy mm. just by playing it straight? You know what I mean? That's a solid Who point. still seems funny even when they're playing it kind of deadpan. I decided to go with Adam Scott. Ooh. I think that's an interesting one. I think he could do it. Yeah. I think he'd be fun. Parks and Rec. Adam Scott. Dan, I didn't go quite as cut. I wanted somebody that I, I, that I just liked as having a sidekick. Okay. Dan seems like he's a leading man stuck as a sidekick in this movie. That's and true. he's not that good of a leading man. 
No, he's not. He's more of a, yeah. More Bruce Abbott, you do your job fine in the movie. No, but, it's like no discredit whatsoever. But the character's weird. Maybe one of my favorite fucking sidekicks of all time character actor, Eldon Hansen. Damn, that's a good one too. Damn. Hansen, Hansen? Fuck. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Foggy like, fucking Nelson from Daredevil. Dude, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He would be good. I like that. And here's where we, we throw away like all of our fucking budget at, a, at an actor. <laughs> my Dr. Hill yeah. was maybe my hardest one to think of. Now, I take that back. Barbara Crampton was the hardest one just because I didn't, I had no right. idea. So I'm sorry, but Halsey isn't really a character in this movie. She exists to be the girlfriend and to be naked most of the time. Yeah. I mean, that, exactly. Not not her fault. No, no, no. That's just, just the, the character. character. And it's because the character isn't in the short story. Solid. Completely added on character. But Hill, I'm like, man, who, I didn't necessarily want someone who mm. could ham it up. Maybe they can have, maybe they want to ham it up. Maybe they don't want to ham it up, but I want someone who is believable at being a shithead doctor, intensely serious in their role, but also able to like charming and able to hypnotize people. And I'm going to throw away all the fucking budget on Michael Fassbender. I like that one. That's a good one. I like, I like that one. I think I have one for that role. Okay. Too, but I, I Wait, who do you got then? Well, hold on. Hold on. All right. <laughs> all right. So if I want to, if I want to do that too, because I'm like, ah, now I got to start thinking about people with like Jeffrey Combe and yeah, as Herbert West and some of these people. All right, so let me think about this. I'll go ahead and tell you. All right, since we've already talked about Dr. Carl Hill, I think somebody who would be really good in that role because I've seen him more recently in a role where it's a little bit more sinister. Okay, is Matt Smith? Mm. From yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, Matt Smith probably would be pretty good. It's like cuz he's charming. He has he has a very charming look and air about him, but he can he can be sinister. I've seen him play that role. He also looks just a little weird. Yeah, he's just a little <laughs> off. Like he like you said he's he's a handsome guy, but there's something a little off about him. I like that. I think I like that more than my fastbender. Yeah, it's like I I think I might like him in that role. I know we've talked about Ezra God, and that's almost kind of like a cliche answer at this point mm, to mm-hmm. maybe maybe Dan Kane's character. Uh, wouldn't be bad, though. No, it wouldn't. I think he would be good, and he's still relatively young where he could pull that off. My first thought, my, honestly, my first thought for Dan Kane, although I figured he was getting just a, a touch too old now. Not He's not an old man by any means, but a touch older than what I was thinking for was uh, Patrick Wilson. Hmm. I like that. I mean, you know, of course, budget has a lot, but if we just say, yeah, yeah, this, this is, is all hypothetical anyway, yeah, yeah. right? Maybe for Dan Kane, if I'm gonna have like, uh, maybe I want not necessarily a list, but somewhere close, I might bring in like Joseph Gordon Levitt or somebody mm, okay. in that role. You know, more of like a character actor, mm-hmm. something like that. He's still because that that motherfucker is my age, and he still looks like he's in his twenties. <laughs> And then I'm not gonna lie, I I typecast to a to a certain extent. Like Barb Crampton was blonde and willing to get naked on camera, mm-hmm. so I went with Hunter Schaefer from Euphoria. Okay, because one of the gals at work was simping on her the other day, so I had to look her up, and I was like, "Yeah, that works." Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> uh, there's uh, this Otherwise is she's blonde, willing to, to get naked on so camera. Funny, yeah. All right, now mind you, this is all hypothetical, but if I'm gonna cast the blonde. That's willing to get nude on camera and who's already been in horror films. It's going to play that part. I would probably choose Diora Baird 
Okay. She was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. People can look her up. Um, yeah, that would be my my go-to. But I was just like, let's follow the heat right now. Euphoria is hot. <laughs> All right, Hunter Schaefer, come on in. Yeah. I mean, there was an actress that we've talked about, too. I mean, uh, without being, you know, a dude, so to speak, is uh, maybe Imogene Poots. I think she might be a, a, a pretty decent part in that. You know, she could do a, a decent job, I think. But you're right, because Megan Halsey, she's not like a main character. No. She's more of a, not really in secondary. She's a, maybe like 2A. I, yeah. I mean, there shouldn't be. 2B. I'm not going to say there shouldn't be a romance subplot in a Lovecraft story. I think Lovecraft stories are a bunch of fucking short stories that need to be expanded on. And yeah. a love story is one of the ways you can do that. But that being said, it's an add-on. And yeah. you have to understand that. Well, I, like I said, here's maybe another present question. And mind you, this is all hypothetical once again. Is Are we doing a straight like straight scene for scene remake. I mean, in my remake, it <laughs> I think of it as a straight scene for scene remake that's just played more seriously. Okay, okay. That's you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, well, then that it that changes things if it's like I don't know, um a revision. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to speak. yeah. But I you know, if we're just playing it straight down the middle, this is how I this is probably the people I would choose. And I mean I guess I could have tried to think of a Dr. Halsey, but honestly there's any number of character actors that could be her dad for fucking 10 minutes of the movie. Mm, damn. What do you, <laughs> this is me being silly. What do you think about Paul Rudd as Herbert West? I mean, he looks timeless. So I guess it doesn't, I was going to say he's getting a bit old for what I want for Herbert West, but like, he still looks like he did clueless <laughs> for the most part. So <laughs> I was like, this is like, that's why I said this is me being silly. That would almost be the, you know what? It would almost be fun to have like Paul Rudd as Herbert West. And then expand the story so it does take place over like a decade and a half or two decades and just use a little bit of makeup to make him young in the early ones and then just let him age up to what he actually looks like now, but he's been hitting the reagent the entire time. And that's that just explains why Paul Rudd looks the way he does now. Right. Paul Rudd is Herbert West. He's been fucking <laughs> doing reagent this entire time. All right, all right, all right. Once again, I'm going to put a little asterisk beside this one because I'm going to play a little bit silly here. But if I was going to do a little bit more, not serious, maybe I want to do, not dark comedy, but maybe I want to play a little into the slapstick side. Okay. I might use just the cast of Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> the more I think about it. I kind of fucking love that. <laughs> it's like, hold on, wait a minute here. I think I might, I might have a good cast for this already. Hold on. <laughs> You can put Emma Roberts as Megan. You know, you could use Michael Sarah. Maybe he's like Dan Kane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe you want to use Jonah Hill. He's <laughs> the mad scientist, the bumbling mad scientist. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm being silly. I could use uh, McLovin as Dr. Hill. <laughs> I like. To, I'm just being silly, but I'm saying McLovin is uh, Dr. West. I like that too. That would be yeah. That might probably be more appropriate. <laughs> but, I, you know, you know, you never know if you're going to play a little slapsticky here, maybe. But Or you'd go with the cops and fucking Rogan is Kane. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it Hater with him? Yeah, Hater. Damn, that was Bill Hater. That's Hater, awesome. Hater is West. That would be fun. Dude, Bill Hater would be awesome. Hater is West. What Seth about Rain Wilson? You put him and uh, Chris Chadwick. Right? Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> Pair them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but you, but that's the kind of the fun is like you know this is all hypothetical of course and but it also makes me wonder too like because initially and this is kind of getting back to the film itself and just kind of the origins of it is initially Stuart Gordon wanted this to be like a 13 episodic series mm. the whole story of reanimator but back then in the early 80s it would have been the budget would have been stupid yeah right so that was unfeasible now luckily for gordon and this is how brian usna met gordon and how this whole thing happened in the first place is a gentleman named bob greenberg he worked with uh, john carpenter on, i think on dark star okay and he got those two together and it was because usna was really good with you know with production side of things he was like, let's make this a full length because people are more willing to, you know, finance a full length feature horror film more so than a, a series. Well, I would think especially at the time, I'm not going to say miniseries didn't exist back then. They absolutely right. certainly did. Oh, they did. did. They did. But it's it's not what that it would kind be now. of storytelling. It, even though miniseries were happening, it wasn't as popular in the way that it is now. Totally agree with that. That's just the way TV seasons are set up. Yeah. You know, if if you're looking early '80s, a little bit like now, it was like very like crime serials and shit. You know, you mm-hmm. have Magnum PI and all these other the Equalizer and all these shows propping up, and then Dynasty and all all this other nonsense. So it probably would not have worked back then. You know, right? Where it sounds now, like basically what they were pitching was a 13 hour movie. Yeah, 13 one hour episodes. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's ambitious. No, it would probably be awesome right now. Which, I mean, and that's just all the, the all the Netflix series do. That's what I'm getting at. So this is, that's it's what HBO lo- basically does. All this hypothetical stuff that we're talking about now is, is a lot more feasible. It's a lot more plausible now than mm-hmm. 1985, 84 for that matter. So, uh, you know, as much as we're bullshitting, it, it, there's a grain of truth in this. I <laughs> think maybe now all of lovecraft is public domain Ooh, yeah it's it's that story was what 1932 something like that yeah yeah that's a long god darn that's a long time (laughs) i know a lot of lovecraft has been public domain anyway and then the stuff that wasn't was kind of arguable that it was or wasn't and somebody would have to actually take you to court to say that it wasn't anyway so 22 good yeah dang yeah, it said it was first serialized in February through July of 1922. So, I mean, this is 100 years later. This is crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not seeing any 100% one way or another. But I think most HPLs in the public domain, unless you're doing, like, the very specific uh, Call the Cthulhu role-playing game references and stuff, which is Chaosium? Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that makes sense, dude. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. I don't know if I have much else to say on Reanimator. No. You know, interestingly enough, for those who are listening who haven't seen this film for whatever reason, you know, which I'm not judging. I'm just saying thanks for listening, first and foremost. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting if you decide that you want to watch different cuts of this film, you know, for whatever reason. It's a really interesting entry point, really into Stuart Gordon, his bodies of work, and how he adapted Lovecraft. And the reason why we've covered so many of his adaptations <laughs> and why we're fans. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a solid reason and a solid idea of probably why we chose this as our first review and why we're revisiting it for our 250th episode as well. So 
you know, I think it says something about what we do. And how much we love it. And the fact that I just keep looking at, like, we have some dope brand. Can't, like, <laughs> can't help it, man. There's so much that has been inspired by his works, and we're still being influenced by it. It's all around us. We can't help it. Ooh, one last little trivia bit. Did you realize the full name of the German doctor in the beginning? Oh, yeah, Han Dr. Hans Gruber. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's all I got. Hans yeah. Gruber. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I guess the next time you get one of these episodes, mm. it's going to be Visitor Q. And another fun film. But as for next week, next week, I think we have to go figure it out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in fried squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>